Welcome to B2B Marketers on a Mission, a podcast for change makers where we question the conventional, debunk marketing myths, provide actionable tips, think differently, disrupt industries, and take your marketing to a new level. From improving your campaigns to making you a better marketer, these are the inspirational stories that will help us change the way we think and approach B2B marketing one conversation at a time. This podcast is brought to you by Einblick Consulting, helping you to stand out in the market and drive revenue to your B2B business. And now your host, Christian Klepp. Welcome everyone to this episode of B2B Marketers on the Mission. This is the show where we help you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I am joined by someone on a mission, and let me see if I can get this right, to build company-wide alignment by answering three fundamental questions. Who are we? What do we stand for? And what is our voice? So coming to us from London, England, Mr. Chris West, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much. Great to be connected, Chris. I well, really It's great enjoy- to be here, Christian, as well. It's really great. <laughs> Fantastic. I I mean, we, we had such a great time in our previous conversation, so I would just say we we carry on, right? No, we did it all then. This is going to be terrible now because we did we shot all our bolts in that pre-conversation. Yes, yes indeed. We we set the bar too high, didn't we? Ay, 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 ay. Where to go from here okay. is the question. <laughs> but um, let's dive in because this is clearly a topic that's very close to your heart, and I'm, I'm really hoping that the audience will get a lot of value out of this. So uh, let's dive in. So, Chris, you're definitely no stranger when it comes to the world of branding. And I believe in the previous conversation that you and I had, you talked about something. Okay, let me see if I can quote you accurately here. With more channels now than ever before, we forget that consumers want to have conversations with the brands they love. And you mentioned the velocity of language has never been higher. So please explain what you meant by that and how is that relevant to B2B marketing? This is from the CMO, the Chief Marketing Officer's point of view, I think, which is we've got they've got more channels than ever before to communicate in for their brand. And we did a Christian, we did a, a little back of the envelope calculation. Even for a mid-sized brand, the marketing director, the CMO, has got to create tomorrow more words than the editor of the Guardian newspaper here in the UK has to put into tomorrow's newspaper, right? So more, yeah. So when it's not just, oh yeah, we got to do a lot on social media. It's not just, Mm. well, we're turning over this many pages per week or per month on our website, or it's all, you know, all the other obvious things. It's language is really working everywhere all the time. And it's, how is it turning up in your customer service communications? If you're supplying something which has some kind of info on how to use it, is the language consistent? By the way, Blue Mikey, those little mics, brilliant language when they give you a little fold-out booklet that comes with their mic, superb. How are your team that are going out to see your clients, how are they talking about your business? When the CEO stands up next, whether that's in-house or whether that's at an investor's meeting, are they going to sound the same? Are they going to be saying, talking about the same kind of things that your customer agent was talking about, that your letter was talking about, that your web? So there are all these channels. So the absolute amount of language 
that the CMO is responsible for is each day is kind of more worse than going to the Guardian newspaper here in the, the printed version of the Guardian newspaper here in the UK. Now, of course, the editor of the Guardian has grown up around language and the CMO might not have done. So they might not feel as comfortable or as versed or as, you know, just comfortable, I think is the right word, in how you use or how you manipulate language or how you judge language. So that's certainly true. But it's kind of, you know, when I started, Christian, maybe 20 years ago, uh, you could, I mean, pre, pre-Twitter, pre-social media, if a customer wrote a letter to one of our clients, you know, the customer would expect that letter to come back in about a week, a reply to that letter to come back in a week. Now they put something on Twitter and they expect a response within an hour. They might write to uh, through customer service portal on the website and they expect, uh, they expect an answer in 24 hours. So it's not just the volume, it's the kind of speed and the directionality of the language, which is bigger than ever before. So really what that means is, I think, it's about this kind of velocity of language, that the CMO no longer can see everything or look after everything or kind of ensure quality, QC everything. Actually, now they've got to trust that if they want to get that response out on Twitter within an hour, if they want to get that um, reply through the customer services web portal within 24, they've got to trust because they just can't manage it fast. They can't manage the volume and they can't manage it fast enough. That's why we talk about the velocity of language. Wow, that's absolutely incredible. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that. And I did have one follow-up question, which I'm yeah. sure is on the minds of a lot of CMOs out there or marketers per se. When you're talking about the velocity of language and how much uh, CMOs need to be responsible for the consistency of that language across the board and all channels and what have you, is it absolutely necessary? I wouldn't say to be a wordsmith, but to be able to write in prose when it comes to like language in the world of B2B marketing, it certainly doesn't hurt, but is it an absolute necessity? Yeah, I think it is. I, I take slight, I feel slight resistance to that word wordsmith when it comes up. Okay. Because often if we hear that in a meeting, at an early stage, I think we're probably dealing with the wrong client or the client's dealing with the wrong partner agency. Mm. Because what I'm not interested in doing, what I don't think the job is about just choosing the right word or just kind of, you know, can we be a bit more human or friendly or warm or approachable, all those terms. Actually, I think that language only ever reflects who you are as a business and what you stand for as a business. So to the first two of those three questions. So it's not really about, oh, can we say this word instead of that word? Really, it's like, is this coming from the right place from us as a business? Is this our worldview? Is this what we stand for? More importantly, is this what we stand against? And if it's coming from the right place, is it turning up with with the right feeling of personality? Does this sound like what's, what's written? Does it sound like? if you're having a conversation with someone inside our building. And that's much more important than wordsmithing. So I think that language is, I mean, it is really important. And I think half the world maybe is dominated by the visual impact and half the world is dominated by the verbal impact. 
Actually, I wish I'd never said that. I wish I'd never said that, Christian, because I don't think that's true, actually. I think it's this. And it's something we've said before, which is visuals attract, verbals engage. Looking great is fantastic. And that's often what's going to get someone attracted to you in the first place. But to maintain a relationship, well, this could be dating advice, to maintain a relationship, you need to have language which expresses who you are and connects with the other person. So I think having an ability in language is critical for the B2B brand team. And it's even more important for the CMO of the brand team to, if you like, know what the levers are, because they've grown up and they've sweated for their business, the visual identity of their brand. You know, they will be able to say to me, hey, Chris, you know, in developing markets, we shift the logo this much to the right, and we put that, and we use this color palette in that situation, and this is our photography chocolate. They can tell me that. But then when it comes to how they shape their language, so their verbal identity is as differentiating and is as powerful and as meaningful as their verbal identity, they don't have the background, the experience to be able to do that. Often they can say, ah, that, you know, they can say to their agency or their team, that's not right. That's not us. But then they can't say the next bit, which is really critical. What you need to do is, is do more of this here and less of that there, or you need to change from here to there. And then instead, what they're saying is, it's, it's just not right. It's just not us. Have another go. And that's kind of dispiriting for them, embarrassing maybe even for them. I doubt, you know, doubt maybe that embarrassing, but for, the, for their agency or their in-house team or their colleagues, it's kind of hard because then they suddenly feel like they're stumbling around in the dark just trying to find the right language. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, no, I don't think that that's dated advice at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do believe that you you do lead with language. It's that, I mean, you you know, you can take your pick. You've seen this before, but like, you know, the, it's that eternal question about like, you know, when you're designing a website, does the design come first or the, or the copy, right? Yeah. Uh, you and I both know it's the copy that leads, not the design, right? There's others out there that would beg to differ, but I would say, well, I beg to differ back. Right? So. Yeah, I think the answer is, <clears throat> if you're just putting a visual style from nowhere because you like it, yeah, you could be right. Mm. But why are you putting that visual style? And when you're going to then brief your copywriting agency like us, yes. what are you going to say, right, like this imagery? I don't know that's right. Yeah. What you want to be able to say is, look, here's our strategic view. This is who we are. This is what we stand for. This is why we're turning up like this visually. And so we would like you to work out a way of creating a brand tone of voice. So we turn up like that verbally. Absolutely. Absolutely. So moving on, when one talks about developing the right language, as you said, in the tone of voice, particularly with B2B, what are some of the common mistakes that you've seen out there and what should be done to address them? I think the biggest mistake out there at the moment is thinking that four adjectives on a page can suitably describe your brand's tone of voice for all those different channels, all those different moments in those different channels and all the different needs that your customers, clients might have. And particularly, Christian, if those four words on the page are human friendly, warm and approachable, which is you know, like the default, which which brand would want to be instead of human friendly, warm and approachable, inhuman, 
cold, unfriendly, and hostile, right? It doesn't make any sense. The opposite doesn't make any sense. So to say human-friendly, warm, approachable, it's default. It's de- it doesn't differentiate you in any way. You've got to dig deeper. And there are ways to dig deeper, for sure, and to understand who you really are as a business. So that's kind of part one of the problem. Part two of the problem is, unless you really know how to define your brand voice, and that's what it comes down to, you know how to define your visual identity. If you don't know how to define your brand tone of voice, what are the things that you need to have a definition against? Then you kind of end up sounding like everyone else. And here's the killer. Here's the killer. If you are the biggest brand in your market, it's great that everyone sounds like you. Because really what they're doing is they're reinforcing you, your brand and your brand position. If your brand is not number one in your marketplace, do not sound like the number one in the marketplace because all you're doing is spending money reinforcing their positioning. Absolutely, absolutely. I love how you came up with the warm, friendly and approachable. That sounds like a boilerplate briefing. Human friendly, (laughs) human friendly, warm and approachable. Yeah, we hear it again and again. And it's not, I mean, it's not... It's not wrong. It's just, it's kind of like, well, of course you would say that. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.ironblake.co for more information. This is probably like table stakes for somebody, you know, with your expertise, but talk to us about the importance of starting and leading with a strategy and conducting market research. So, for example, things like understanding who your target audience is and what their buyer's journey looks like before you dive straight into the execution. I mean, you know, we've, we've seen this time and time again where some companies tend to skip that part at their own risk. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you, do you know the work of Annie Duke, cognitive neuroscientist who then mm-hmm. became a world champion poker player, right? Her s- first book, I think, was called Thinking in Bets. And I can't attempt to paraphrase dutifully what her book said. But really, that's the way to think about it, right? We've got a certain, if you're a CMO, you've got a certain number of bets you're going to make, and none of those bets are guaranteed to come off. But rather than walking into a casino, walking up to one table and saying, ah, on the roulette, I think I think it's going to be 15. Put the money on and it doesn't happen. Oh, damn. Right? That's crazy strategy. No, you'd think anyone doing that is crazy. But to a certain extent, if you don't research the customer segmentation, if you don't work out what the motivation of those customers is, if you don't look at what their next best alternative to using you is, if you don't understand what the challenges are for, for them using you, if you don't understand that stuff, you're walking into a casino, walking up to the roulette table and putting your money down on 15. At least know what the odds are. At least you know, you, at least you should know what the odds are. At least you should know what the alternatives are. At least you should do some investigation, challenge your own assumptions. That's what I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, otherwise you're just, well, to use another analogy, if we're going to talk about analogies, it's just walking straight into a forest at night without without a torch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, 
and now focusing on your area of expertise, but like, you know, you, you've touched on it um, a few minutes ago, but walk us through the process of developing that right language and that tone of voice for B2B. I think it's really important to understand where you want to get to in your guidelines. So we have a particular framework for our guidelines, which identifies that every brand voice operates on three levels. So often someone will say, oh, it's the tone of voice, or if they've come from a journalism PR background, what they're really interested, what they're really experienced in rather, what they know is what is a style guide. We use this word, not that. We capitalize them, not them. We put a comma here. We don't do this. We do a line break. Here. Right? That's really the nuts and bolts. That's the ground level detail. If you come from an advertising background, often what they're very good at is the next level up, what we would call the thousand feet level. They're very good at personality. But sometimes they use entirely the wrong words. And sometimes what they won't do is really understand where this brand, this B2B brand, sits in the client's life, what this, what their company was set up for, what it's trying to do in the world, how it's trying to change the world. And that's what we would call the 10,000-foot level. So if you look at the most successful brands and how they use language, what's really clear in all of them, even though it's not explicitly mentioned, what's really clear is this is the world we believe in. And so therefore we stand for this and therefore we stand against that. And that's kind of like a 10,000 foot level. It informs what they talk about or the angles they take on what everyone else is talking about. Come down a level as a thousand foot, there's a really clear, strong personality. And then come down another level to ground, ground level. And what you'll notice is how much jargon do they use is consistent. When do they use it is consistent. Their grammar choice, is it formal grammar? Is it conversational grammar? Is it something else? All of these things are carefully chosen. So each level reinforces the other levels and provides this idea of a unified sense of the brand voice, one voice for one company. But to get there, to answer your question, Christian, sorry, to get there, you've really got to do some examination of who you are and what you stand for. Don't just say, look, we want this kind of personality, because if you're not careful, you'll have Writing, which is very strong in personality, but talking about the wrong thing. So knowing where you're coming from as a business, what you're trying to achieve, how you're going to get there, what you stand against, that's important. And then using some devices and some workshops that we've pioneered to get the personality and then some choices around the ground level detail. So there, if you like, is a simple approach. First of all, knowing what you're trying to fulfill and then going back into the heart of the business. and. You, I'm sure you can be kind enough to mention my book, Strong Language, in a minute. But there are some exercises in that book that you can do, anyone can do with their business, whether it's just them or whether they've got a team of people that's going to do a ex more extensive review. Fantastic. Fantastic. I had one follow-up question um, to this framework. Uh, in your experience, like, is this framework that you just mentioned, is this applicable across the board, um, you know, across different industries, or there are some exceptions to the rule? We've not found a single exception. And it's not really because of, it's not like this is what you do with brand voices. This is much more fundamental mm. to what language is. Mm -hmm. So already as you're talking to me, yeah. I've not said this is my worldview, Christian. I believe in this. I stand for that, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I stand for 
you're getting an impression of that because of my choice right. in how I turn up today and in my choice of what we might talk about or in my choice of how I might deal with a particular subject. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you've got an idea of my personality. And, you know, if you were to review this, you might see some ground level details that are consistent. Yeah. Trying to steer clear of jargon, for example. Yeah. Yeah, I do. That's how language works. Mm-hmm. From a linguistics point of view, language seems to work on, not, it does work on these three levels. So actually, those three levels apply wherever language is, is at work. So it doesn't matter what, what industry you're in or what size of business you are. So we're delighted to have worked with Alphabet's Moonshot Factory in Silicon Valley, that place mm-hmm. which houses all these kind of crazy, mind-bending new technologies. Yeah. And we've worked with a pre-Series A data science startup in the UK. We've worked with global retailers, luxury brands, all of them have found this framework mm-hmm. applies. Of course it does because it's language, but they've also found it, I think, very useful because it's simple and it's easy to refer mm-hmm. back to. Mm-hmm. Certainly is. Certainly is. We tend to overcomplicate things at times, you know, as, as marketers or people in the branding world. <laughs> so yeah. it's good to have a framework that actually helps to keep everything simple. Provide an example of a great B2B brand that uses the approach you're referring to, and ideally from your own experience. Oh, okay, so this is me. This is such a great question because <clears throat> when you and I talk about B2B, well, I don't know. I mean, other people have views of B2B. Depends where they are. But if you talk to a lot about uh, to talk to a lot of people about B2B, they're going to immediately think of some of these big companies like Cisco or SAP or Accenture. Quite rightly, I mean, they're hugely successful businesses. And if I have any criticism, I am only like a mosquito trying to sting an elephant, you know, to get it to pay attention. But then also, you and I, in our world, we will have certain businesses which don't have that kind of, which don't sit in the same place in our heads, like Slack, like MailChimp, if you're a business owner, up to a certain size, zero for your financial package. And the way those two kind of groups use language is quite different. Yet they're both B2B and it's really funny, you know, so I I won't name names, but (laughs) I just looked on someone's website today and it says a big headline on the landing page is act quickly to manage inflation risk. Is that Cisco? Is that SAP? Is that Accenture? And another one of those big for you know big globe brands said as a landing page headline, art of AI maturity. Could you definitely say one is this, one is that? Don't think no. you could. They all kind of sound like yeah, it's on the yeah. <laughs> I don't in front of me have examples of Slack's language or MailChimp's language, but I think that you everyone that listens to you would instantly recognize, yeah, that's Slack. Yeah, that's MailChimp. Yes. Yes. So, you know, I was thinking, what's going on? Why are these kind of sitting in two different places in our heads? Mm. It's not because of the scale of company that they're approaching. I mean, Mm. maybe to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. But actually, I think it's this thing of, I tell you what, before I say what I think it is, about two, no, two and a half, three years ago, mm-hmm. there was a little bit of video footage that turned up on 
Instagram, and it was a uh, one of those guys that brings the plane in and out, yep. docking at an airport, you know, okay. brings yep. them up to the jetway. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember it. It was a guy that wasn't just giving the hand signals with, uh, you know, the illuminated batons, mm-hmm. but he was actually making it into a dance routine. And he was yeah, making it. I did yeah. see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and lots of people posted about it. And I thought, why is that? caught everyone's imagination so much and it was because he knew who the end user was yes the end user was the person on the plane and he made it good for the pilot and good for the end user and i think what slack zero mailchimp all do really well is they talk to the end user Mm. and they encourage those people to build a consensus to build a demand to ask for that software to be used in their business and as a consequence, the ad spend, I reckon, is smaller, but the loyalty is much greater. Whereas those bigger behemoths, and there's nothing wrong with their approach, the Cisco, the SAP, the Accenture, they're good, but they're talking to the purchasing committee. And when their decision yeah. is made, mm-hmm. And when the decision is made and the choice is imposed on people, everyone is like, yeah, okay. There hasn't been this groundswell of demand. Yeah. So I'm not saying one is right, one is wrong. It's easy to dismiss, and they would probably be right based mm-hmm. on company size they're talking to, decision-making process, everything else. Yeah. But I do believe the language in Slack, Zero, MailChimp, those legitimate B2B businesses, and let's not forget Slack has got a valuation north of $20 billion. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. It's not those company, businesses, sure. yeah. yeah those businesses are using language in a way which builds loyalty yeah. is depositioning rivals mm. and is winning customers absolutely absolutely three things really important that language yeah. can do win yeah. customers deposition rivals and build loyalty correct correct the show is about actionable tips and you have given some of them already but like just off the top of your head what is something that b2b marketers can do after listening to this interview that they can immediately implement in terms of developing the right language and tone for the brands. Yeah. I think if you've got three hours, then just get a sample of four, five, six pieces from each of your competitors in your industry across maybe three, four channels for each one. And then just say, what language do we all have to use to signal that we're all in the same category? And then what is everyone else using that we don't have to use? And if we choose not to use it, how will this create true differentiation for us linked to our value? So it's really saying at the heart of this is this idea that you, particularly in B2B world, you have to use some language which shows you're a member of a category. But if you use all the same language, then you're no one in the category. So try and work out what is the language that is essential to show you're a member of the category and then look for the opportunities where you can use language, style or content, which means that you are different and valuable in that category. Then the next thing I'd say is if Mm. if they have one more hour, Mm -hmm. then look at your own communications, pull out three or four pieces from five or six channels and just rate, just score. How do you score for clarity, for differentiation? 
in each of those pieces compared to your competitors. It might be that you come out and you go, look, we're doing all right. It might be that you come out and say, yeah. you know, it's just on our website, our language sucks. It might be just on our customer mm-hmm. service communications that our language mm-hmm. sucks. Okay, focus mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. And I would say, if you only have five minutes, then buy my book <laughs> and read far more. Find some time then and read far more in it about all the different things you can do. Quick wins, charts, uh, auditing for ROI, looking for the kind of human cost of maintaining a voice that isn't working, all of those kind of things. Fantastic, fantastic advice, Chris. Uh, I'm going to ask you to like hold the book up one more time because it was blurred on the screen. Yeah, there we go. Strong language. There we go. Perfect. Perfecto. Thanks, Thank Christian. you so much. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Chris, and for you know sharing your experience and expertise with the audience. And uh, please, quick intro to yourself and how people out there can get in touch with you. Oh, thank you very much, Christian. I my name is Chris West. Uh, Twelve years ago, I started a business called Verbal Identity, and I would say we are super specialists in helping CMOs use language more effectively. But here's the key thing: enjoy doing it and get their teams to enjoy using language more effectively. You can find us at verbalidentity.com or I communicate, I spend too much time I feel on LinkedIn, where if you put in Chris West Verbal Identity, you should be able to see me and what I'm sharing, what I'm seeing in language today. The comments on the ads that he's seen. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> the haunted houses um, that were being- Oh, that's right, by, yeah. By, by the real uh, estate uh, brokers. Uh, last Halloween, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was perfect. That, that was, was a great language. <laughs> perfect example. Fantastic. Chris, as expected, this was an incredible session. So thanks again for your time. Uh, take care, stay safe, and talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co. And be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.